Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We'll see today how the author ties in this theme of creation and the heavenly lights and the heavens, etc., into the theme of Shabbat, which we haven't seen yet, I think. We haven't really seen anything in this bracha yet, which makes it Shabbosdika. So now we will today. Okay, so we talked about El Adon, this alphabetical poem about all of the heavenly entities, the sun, moon, and the stars. Um, they praise God, they shine, they uh, govern the world, etc., I'm going to go back and reread the last two lines of El Adon because it actually leads into the next paragraph. The next paragraph actually does not start grammatically independently. It actually continues the poem, meaning someone has written in prose something that continues the poem. Continues the poem. So the last two lines, we're talking about the heavenly bodies. Shevach notnim lo kol tzvamarom, all the hosts of heaven, give God praise, praise God. Tiferet ugdullah, glory and greatness, they give God praise, glory and greatness. Tzrafim v'ofanim v'chayot hakodesh, the seraphs, which are the angels in Isaiah's vision, and the ofanim and the chayot, which are the angels in Ezekiel's vision. By the way, you have to, um, uh, there's a word for this in poetry and in Hebrew. I don't know what the term is. There's a technical term where you have to imagine that the word notnimlo is also in the middle of the second line, right? So, shevach notnimlo kol marom, tiferet ugdullah notnimlo, srafim v'ofanim v'chayot hakodesh. Otherwise, you can't really make sense of it grammatically, right? So, um, the hosts of heaven give God praise. The Serafim and Ofanim and the Chayot give God um, uh, glory and greatness. And when we say give God prayer, give God glory and greatness, it means they say you are glorious, you are great. They Give means to attribute to God, which in this case would mean praising God. Everyone with me? So we finished El Adon last time. La El Asher Shabbat Mikol HaMa'asim To the God who ceased Shabbat from all his deeds, from all God's, I'll try to ungender it, from all God's deeds, all the deeds. So now we have the connection to Shabbat. So we talked about God creating the heavenly bodies multiple times, which takes us back to the story of Genesis chapter 1, and we have these verbs that are used over and over again, asa, bara, and yatsar, the three verbs of creation, Made is asalasot, bara to create, yatsar to fashion. We've seen these words over and over again, and we saw them in Genesis chapter 1. So they, all these heavenly beings, attribute glory, give glory to God, who is the one who shavat, as a, it's, it's not shavat the noun, it's a verb, who sabbathed, from all his doings. Okay? So now we have a clear reference to 
the creation story, and we're linking it to the fact that we're saying this on Shabbat, not on the weekdays. Bayom Hashvi'i hit alav yashav al This is here primarily to disturb Larry. That is the main reason the poet put this line here. On the seventh day, God elevated God's self and sat on God's throne of glory. Again, we imagined all of these heavenly beings, they're kind of courtiers, they're servants, and the image here is, where did, have to go, where did God have to go to create creation? What direction? Down. God came down to the earth to create creation. God is finished with creation, so therefore God goes back up. And what does God do? What, is, what do kings do? They sit around on their throne and let all their servants come around and praise them. So God goes and sits on God's throne of glory. Um, by the way, we, and we have other references to this, like in Aleinu, which is fresh in my mind because I studied Aleinu recently. Umoshav Yikaro Bashamayim Mima'al. Right? God's throne of glory, Yikar, is another is a synonym of Kavod. Right? God's throne of glory is up in the heavens. Right? So again, we have sort of the ancient and the medieval conception here. We as modern people say God has no place and God is everywhere. By the way, we're not the first people to say that. The Kabbalah says that also. But in biblical conception and rabbinic conception, which are more, I'm going to say, mythic and concrete, God is imagined as being up there, up in the heavens, right? So God finished Shabbat, Kol Hamasim, God ceased from all God's doings, makings, and then on the seventh day, went back up and sat on the throne. Tiferet Atal Yom HaMenucha, God robed the day of rest with Tiferet, splendor, One Karal Yom HaShabbat, and God attributed to the Sabbath day Oneg, pleasure. So in other words, although God didn't make anything on the seventh day, God did certain things on the seventh day. God made the seventh day splendorous and pleasurable. Zeshevach Shalayom Hashvi'i. This is the praise. I'm going to translate la as of, and you'll see why in a moment. This is the praise of the seventh day. Shabboshavad El Mikom Lasso. For on it, God ceased from all God's labor. A phrase that is taken from where? Brashi chapter 2. It's actually the end of chapter, sorry, beginning of chapter 2, which is the end of the creation story. And we say it every Friday night when we say, God ceased from all God's labor. Okay? So you see how the poet, the author, is connecting the theme of creation, which is what we've been doing, right, in this bracha, now with Shabbat, right? And it fits, it makes sense. It's not a big 
stretch. The, the author doesn't have to go very far to do that because the creation story in Genesis itself talks about Shabbat. <clears throat> so the author is referring back to that and tying it all together. V'yom omer, and the seventh day praises and says, Mizmor shir liyom hashabbat, tov lhodot ladonai, a psalm of the Sabbath day, it is good to praise God. Now, this is based on a mid, this is based on a midrash, which is based on the ambiguity of the particle l. So, Mizmor shir liyom hashabbat, could literally means a psalm of the Sabbath day, right? And the of has the exact same ambiguity as la in Hebrew. It could mean it's a psalm about the Sabbath day, or it's a psalm by the Sabbath day, recited by the Sabbath day. So there is a midrash. Larry is trying to say something, but you're muted. You're gesturing. It could be for. For, right. Of could mean for, um, but it could mean by. Okay? So there's a midrash that says, Mizmor Shir Le Yom HaShabbat means this is the psalm that was recited by the Sabbath day. In other words, Shabbat, like the sun, moon, and stars, the heavenly hosts, which are we would call it personified, they're given personalities, there's a Midrash that says, the Shabbat itself recited praise to God. It personifies Shabbos. Um, this Midrash says, by the way, um, that Adam, uh, this in the Midrash, Adam saw the splendiferous nature of Shabbat, because Adam was created on the sixth day and then Shabbos comes in. Adam saw the magnificence of Shabbat and Adam began to worship the Shabbat as a deity. And the Shabbat said to Adam, you should not worship me as a deity. You and I are both created. Therefore, let us both worship the creator. And at that point, the Shabbat said, Tov lehodot Lashem. It is good to acknowledge God. Everyone follow, everyone follow the logic of the story? So basically, hold on a second, Larry. So this is the praise of Shabbat. On it day God rest, on it that day God ceased all God's labor. In fact, the seventh day itself praises God, saying, Mizmor Shirli Om HaShabbat, a praise by the Sabbath day. And what is that praise? Tov Lhodot Lashem. It is good to acknowledge God. In other words, just as the heavenly bodies were worshiping God and praising God, so the Shabbat at the beginning of time also praised God. Larry, unmute. So I, um, you perhaps misunderstand my my um, personal objection. I, I, do, do we? Okay, I was teasing you. Do we have to discuss it? Yes. Personified a day, and the, and it's not the song of the Sabbath day, but it's a song that the Sabbath day sings to God. For me, is a beautiful and wonderful image. 
just as it's a beautiful and wonderful image of stars, moons, and heavenly bodies praising God. I got no problem with that metaphor whatsoever. Yes. My problem, which is not, so I love, I, I love this prayer. Yes. Um, every Shabbat, I, I feel with special intensity. But, previously, not to go over it, what I don't like is when we invent things that don't exist, like the angels and all this other stuff, and we create this, 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 this idea, um, that God is being surrounded by these servants, etc. So I make a distinction between the two. Okay. Uh, thank you for explaining. I don't, I don't want to argue it with you. I just want to say one is a metaphor and the other is a metaphor. So I'm not sure why one metaphor you like and the other metaphor you don't like. It's all a metaphor because religion speaks in the, religion uses the language of myth and metaphor, which means using concrete Images to explain that which is not concrete but is ineffably abstract. So, okay, I got it exactly. Yes, like the end of the Book of Mormon. So you like them for whatever reason. Larry likes the metaphor of the seventh day singing praise. He does not like the metaphor of the arrays of the 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 servants, the hosts of heaven, singing praise. Okay, onwards. So, 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 even the seventh day grace. Lefichach, therefore, Yefaru Vivarchula El Kol Yitzurab. Therefore, all the creatures should praise God. So, who does all the creatures include at this point? It's not only all of them, but actually all of us. Right, so just as all of these heavenly things praise God, they're part of the created universe, so all creatures should praise God, which takes it to us. Sheva Yikar El They again all creatures, Yitnu, they ascribe to God who created everything. They ascribe to God Sheva Yikar Ubdullah. Praise and glory and greatness. And by the way, Yotzer Kol takes us back literally to where? That's correct, Vered. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam Yotzer Or Uvorei Choshech Oseh Shalom Uvorei Hakol. Right? And then we started Hakol Yoducha. All acknowledge you. Right? So if you said, if I, if someone said. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of ways of saying what's the theme of the first bracha, but one answer to that question of what is the theme of the first bracha is that God is Yotzer Kol. Right? God is the creator of all. So, it's significant, you know, God could have been called lots of things, just like in that last paragraph before Yotzer Hamel wrote, remember we had those eight Couplets. God is uh, uh, creator of wars and creator of healings and all these other things. So there are a lot, a lot of epithets we can attribute to God. Here, the epithet that's attributed, which is most fitting in this context, which brings it, pulls it all together, is God is Yotzer Kol. And what does the Yotzer Kol do? Hamanchil menuchal amo Yisrael bikdushato biyom Shabbat Kodesh. God who legacies. Menucha, rest, 
to God's nation, God's people, Israel, in God's holiness, on the Holy Sabbath. So here we have this great line which pulls everything all together. So they pray everything, all the creatures praise God, God who is Yotzer Kol, creator of all, and that creator of all gave us the Shabbos. Okay? So this is a way of taking a very um, universal, abstract, far-off God, right? Because God is, God is God of the universe. So far we had nothing particularistic or nationalistic at all in this bracha, right? Until we start mentioning Shabbos. And now we bring it home and say, and God gave us the gift of Shabbos. Manchil is to give an inheritance or a portion. Okay? Uh, uh, well, it's particularistic in the sense that God gave it to Israel. It's in the first part of the, the first part of Rishi before we even get to the yeah, Yes. Right. Yes. Although, take it back. Hold on. In the first part of Breshit, there's uh, there's nothing about the Jewish people in the actual creation story. You can say, well, of course, it's implied because we know that it's the Jewish people who keep Shabbos, but it's only implied, and here it's made explicit that God gave this to us as a gift. Okay. Um, I just want to point out, Le'amo Yisrael to God's people, Israel, although it's in the third person, which makes it sound like we're talking about, you know, the Zulus in Africa, right? It's not. It's a way of saying us. Okay? Shimcha Hashem Alkeinu Yit Kadash, Vizichucham Alkeinu Yit Pa'ar, these are two parallel lines. Your name, our, our God, should be holified, sanctified, and your mention, which is another word for shame, name, our ruler should be glorified where Bashamayim Mima'al Mitachat in the heavens and in the earth. Um, the fancy term for this in in uh, biblical literature it's called a merism, M E R I S M. And a merism is when you say from soup to nuts, which means the entire meal. Right? In the heavens and the earth is a way of saying everywhere. It doesn't mean you could say like, well, what about the birds? They're in between the heavens and the earth. What about satellites? Right? So heavens and the earth means in from the alpha to the omega. Everyone follow me? That's called a merism. Comes from Latin, which means merismus, and it means when you use two extreme uh items in a category to um, say that you mean the whole entire category. Can anyone think of other merisms, by the way, Marshall? Yeah, also heavens and earth. Can anyone think of any other merisms that we use in common parlance from soup to nuts? A to Z. A to Z, yeah. From A to Z, yeah. yeah. What about something like this may not be some beginning to an end with lock, stock, and barrel, or hook, line, and sinker? Yeah, it's like that. So, merism means... Yeah. An, 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 an Pesach, 
when we ask it, they talk about from like the beginning of it, what you explained to the wise son. The target takes from the beginning of it all the laws from, from okay. the Good. beginning to the end of what's in the mission. Good. So merism just means you say the first thing and the last thing, and you don't really mean those two things. You mean everything. By the way, that's what, um, in, the New in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, right? God is say Jesus, as an aspect of God, is saying, I am the first and I am the last. Uh, by the way, that's from Isaiah. Ani rishon v'ani aharon. God says, I am the first and I am the last. Jesus is quoting Isaiah because Jews knew the prophets. Okay? So, so God should be praised everywhere in the whole, again, part of the theme of this bracha is the whole world. So God should be praised everywhere, heavens and earth. Bashamayim al-Nana. Tiparach moshienu al-shevach ma'aseyadecha. Um, you should be blessed or praise our Savior. Um, Al, here, it's not entirely clear what it means. It could mean you should be praised because of the praisingness of your creatures. It could also mean, all can also mean higher or above. You should be praised even beyond what your creatures praise you. Who are the creatures who are praising in this paragraph in general? Who are the creatures who praise God, who we've been talking about in this bracha? Not a trick question. The celestial beings. The celestial beings. Thank you for that phrase. So the celestial beings. And we might be saying, and you should be blessed, God, even higher, even beyond the praise that the celestial beings give you. Okay? And for the lights, now we're very concrete, the illuminating lights which you made, they should praise you. So again, it can either mean you should be praised in addition to their praise, meaning we are adding our praise to their praise, which, of course, leads into the Kedusha, because we are talking about what they do up there, okay? And we're doing it down here. So it could either mean you should be praised, implication by us, in addition to their praises, or, you know what, God? You should be praised even beyond what those celestial beings praise you. So the all really could mean either one. And then we go to on the next page. Blessed are you, our rock and ruler and savior, who creates the holy ones. Who are the Kiddoshim? Who are the holy ones? As Michael just said, the celestial beings. So now this leads us into, by the way, Tiparach Tzureinu is the same as the weekday. Now we shift back to the same weekday prayer, and we're going to talk about all those heavenly beings, and with Kulam Ahovim, Kulam Burim, Kulam Birim, we talked about this at length uh, when we talked about the Kedusha, Demiusha, the seat of Kedusha, when we studied this in the weekday, like a couple of months ago. Okay? So basically, in this paragraph that we looked at today, La'el Asher Shavat Mikol HaMatzim, the author pulls together the themes of the heavenly bodies, 
God created everything with the particularity of the day, which is Shabbat, and it links, and again, talks about Shabbat not just like as a commandment where we're supposed to do things, but it actually links, it harks back to the Shabbat of creation. So it links Shabbat back to the original creation story, which of course makes sense, right? Heavenly beings are created on the fourth day. Shabbat is created, as it were, on the seventh day. So it ties it all together. Um, and again, it talks about the Shabbat, which praise God, but it also basically says our Shabbat, which you gave us. Okay? And it says, again, if I can put it in context, we're not going to go over the Kedusha again, right? But we add our praises to the praises that the heavenly beings offer to you, the celestial array. And then we're going to go into the whole story of the Kedusha, right? So, again, if we can step back from it, Birkat Yotzer is about we wake up in the morning, we find God's... Sorry, I'm going to take, take a step back. be hard to say it all in one sentence, what we've been doing for the last three months. We wake up in the morning... We see the light. The sun rose again. This is a cue to us to contemplate that God is Yotzer Kol, right? God is creator of the entire universe. We link that to the mythical story of Breshi chapter 1. We contemplate the heavenly beings, right, of the Genesis story in chapter 1, we contemplate the um, mystical literature's embrace of the idea that the heavenly being, uh, the mystical literature's embrace of the idea from the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel that there are celestial beings up there praising God, in a moment, we will do, again, this is not a reenactment, our Kedusha. That's in the second Kedusha in the Amida. This is just a third person talking about. We're going to talk about how those celestial beings praise God. What do they do? <clears throat> they say, Kadosh, 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 and Baruch Kodesh Komo. And then to the last paragraph, Le'el Baruch Nimo Itenu. They sing all these praises to God, and we, because he does all these things, and then we bring it on home and saying, Hamechadesh Bituvo Bechol Yom Tamid So we bring it back to the theme that we articulated at the beginning of the bracha. That's what makes this long, complicated thing in two pages all one conceptual unit, although it has many different parts, I don't want to say many, several different parts, literarily and thematically. But we bring it back to the beginning when we say, that's why it's important to say, to quote that verse, right? Because it's not just, we don't want to leave, the author doesn't want to leave you just thinking about creation in the book of Genesis. The author wants to bring you back to what's the original experience that, 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 that devoked at the beginning of this bracha, the sun rose today now. Okay? 
So Hamachadesh Pitubo Bechol Yom Tamid Vasei Rishi. Right? God actually didn't just create creation then. God renews creation on every single day. And that is what happened this morning when the sun came up. Uh, God renewed creation. Ka'amur, as it says. Le'oseh, by the way, why does it quote this verse? It could have quoted something from Genesis chapter uh, Genesis chapter 1, day 4, but it quotes something from the Psalms. Le'oseh orim gedolim ki olam chasto. I think it picks this verse because what tense is oseh? Present. Present, right? So in, it, it, does, it means not only God made the big luminaries and this kila olam chasto again what's la olam forever which is another way of saying every day right so it's interpreting this verse from the hodu to mean um, god is the one who makes present tense the great lights because god's kindness is with us all the time. Okay? So with Hamechadesh Vituvo Bechol Yom Tamid Masev Reshi. By the way, we have kol as a key word again in this phrase, right? Before we said Yotzer Kol, God creates, is the creator of all, right? And here we have all used differently, Bechol Yom, every day. So God is the, cre- God is the author of all when? Every single day. It happened at the beginning of time in Genesis, but it happens every day, and it is evidence of God's two moral qualities. We've mentioned chesed and rachamim. Okay? So, the fa- so in other words, this is not just a statement about science and astronomy, okay? But this is evidence of the sun came up again, and it is proof that God loves us. Or you might translate chesed as faithful or loyal. means that also. Or And then we talked at length about Or Hadash. Or we're not going to go back over that. Baruch HaTashem Yotzer HaMel wrote. So we have here... Um, um, I sometimes say this when I teach uh, uh, Sidur classes. Um, a historian, Will... wasn't Will Herberg. It was Will Durant. It was... Who is the humorist that they named a park after? Will Rogers. Might have been Will Rogers. I'm not sure. Maybe it was Will Rogers. Um, Will Rogers is, uh, is a tribute to him to quote, to most people, history is just one damn thing after another. Right? So I think to a lot of people who don't study the Sidur, the Sidur is just one damn thing after another. It's just like one paragraph after another, and how does it all fit together? So, in fact, Birkat Yotzer is a long, very complicated uh, literary creation, which clearly is put together from multiple different pieces, which probably were written by different people, right? You sort of assume, like, the person who wrote El Adon as the poem probably didn't write the prose stuff, I mean, I guess maybe they did, but probably not. Because if I asked you to write a unified essay on these themes, I doubt you would have written this bracha. So somehow the group mind 
put together a variety of sources, prose and poetic, to pull together all these themes. God is the author of the sun rose, the light is out, it's evidence of God's presence in the world. God created light at the beginning of time, but in fact, God made the sun rise today, and all of it is loving to us. Okay? So you can say, again, in, in abstract terms, uh, who is the theologian? Franz Rosenzweig said, you know, the three aspects of Jewish theology, Jewish theology creation, revelation, and redemption, which fits the three brachot of the Shema very neatly. Bracha number one is about creation. It is God's presence in our universe as creator. How do I know, according to this bracha, how do I know that? Because the sun rose again today. So there's a very concrete thing that points to a very profound theological concept that the watch has a watchmaker just like that British theologian guy I can't remember the story in the 1700s who was walking along the cliffs somewhere and found a pocket watch that someone had lost and that British theologian contemplated it and that's how he came up the idea of if there's a watch there must have been a watchmaker if the sun came up it's because God must have made it be so now we may conceive of God in more mythical, concrete terms, like the poetic images here on the throne with the courtiers, or in less mythical, concrete terms, as the process which unites everything in the universe together. Maimonides has it much more abstract. Kabbalah has it sort of midway. You know, it's like a flow of universal energy which flows through all these different attributes, the spherotes, the rabbis, rabbinic theology and biblical theology is expressed in very concrete language. That's how they talked. Um, we, we would call it, in, in modern parlance, we call it mythical language, right, which means using story and concrete images to talk about abstract, ineffable concepts. Um, and that's what Birkant Yotzer is. I think. And next week, God willing, let us go on to the second bracha of the Shema. But first, we will pause and everyone may unmute and wave your hand if you have something you want to say and uh, uh, any any concluding comments. Yeah, just a Alan? question, uh, yeah. Yes. With respect to the phrase, you know, uh, that we have. Yes. At one point, I thought you were saying that was going to be for us as the people, and then it seemed to change to the celestial. I think it's I think it's both. I think it's both. I think it's saying all creatures, but by virtue of us saying this, right? There are other places in the bracha where it talks about them, the Srafim and the Opanim, and they give praise. So I think. Kol Yitzurav here could mean all of those creatures, but literally means all creatures, which I think implies we're locating ourselves within that drama. So I think it's both. That's what I think. Thank you so much, Josh. Great class. Are we all ready? Uh, yeah, there it. There it. Um, maybe it's a long answer or a short one. Okay. I'm interested. 
to find out when were all of this written, probably in different times by different people. Yes. And then all of this was taken yeah. by someone yes. and put it together. There's a short answer. We have no idea. So, okay. so in the Talmud, it's called Birkat Yoser. Yes. So, meaning in the Talmud, for, uh, by the way, I don't think it's just Talmud, I think it's probably in the Mishnah also, okay? So, in the year 0 to 200, in the beginning of the rabbinic era, there's a concept that you open the Shema service with a blessing about God as creator. The first Sidur that we have is Amram and Sa'adya, so the 800s. So, so, this is largely the wording in Rav Amram Sidur in 875. So in other words, somewhere between the year zero and the year 875, someone put this together. But we have no manuscript evidence in that interval. So we don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Larry? But one thing we do know, yes, which is this didn't appear all at once as a set that we're required to recite every single word, word, and if we do, some it's a magical principle that we fulfilled some great mitzvah. But rather, we know that they were constructed and assembled from different attempts to convey ideas of praise. Yes. Surrounding the two cores, uh, in, in Mr. Shakri, of Shema and, and, and the Shemona Esrei. Yes. And this is for a longer discussion or not, or not at all. My problem is those people who think if I only recite every single word every single day, there's some magical property here, as opposed to, well, today I feel like dwelling on this introduction to the Shema. And that's just, and that's, that's, that's good for what, for what its purpose is. So, so here's what I want to say. Um, there, there certainly are halachic people who would say, halachically you're supposed to say every word. I don't think they would say magical, they would say halachic. And just to take it back to the context of Amram, the first Sidur in 875 of the Common Era, which we've talked about before, in this time, most communities did not have written manuscripts, we assume, okay? There were chazanim who knew the prayers by heart. They probably said everything aloud. If you go to a Mizrahi shul today, they say everything aloud. Except for the Shachri, the Mita, there is no private prayer, okay? So all of Shachri, they recite everything aloud together. That's probably how it was done. Okay, people, because common people didn't know, the Chazan was an expert who knew. So, Rav Amram's Sidur is introduced by, it's a, it's a letter, right? And Amram says, hey, people in Spain, thank you for sending the gift to the yeshiva here in Babylonia. And you sent a question. You said, you know, the Chazanim are all confused. People are all confused about what is the wording of morning prayer. And so I am going to tell you the wording of morning prayer. Right? 
Now, we assume Amram didn't, Rabbi Amram Gaon didn't make it up. We assume he didn't invent it. We assume he probably wrote down the version that was recited in his yeshiva in Babylonia, which was considered authoritative. But, but the point that I'll make to, to connect to Larry's point is that what that means is, what, what the question probably means is, we know the framework of the morning prayers, but there's a lot of non-standardization about what the specifics are that are said. Could you please send us a standardized, authorized version so that we're not confused anymore? Um, Larry's, I'm not going to say Larry's, because I'm not going to pin it on you. So one might say, one might make the argument that when you have, when you move from, we know the general conceptual framework, when you move from, we know the general conceptual framework to, here's the specific standardized version, something is gained, what is gained is when you go to shul anywhere in the world, it's the same bracha, it's standardized, based on rabbinic authority, and something is lost. What is lost, maybe, is some of the individuality and the spontaneity, okay? And that if you know, I know the theme of bracha number one is supposed to be God is creator of the universe, okay? Couldn't I articulate my own particular version of that? So my response to that would be, and this is where you should ask Rabbi Klickfeld. By the way, it would be good for you to ask Rabbi Klickfeld once. I think the halachic answer is no. You're supposed to say the words in the Sidur. Okay? We might choose to reject that halachic answer and say, that doesn't speak to me. I would prefer to say other words or only some of these words. Or, uh, by the way, um, this is a, a bigger version of that. Rabbi Mordechai Finley at Or HaTorah in uh, L.A., who's sort of a renewal-ish rabbi. He's not really in a movement. He's his, he's his own movement. Um, he says, I've heard him speak and say, he says, I daven for half an hour every morning. Every morning I do a different thing. Some mornings I say the words in the Siddur. Some mornings I will just say a nigun. Some mornings I will meditate. Okay? Um... I'm on the, um, yeah, anyway, I want to go on, on that. Any, anyway, so you might say, bracha number one, theme of creation, say your own words. Now, I just want to point out, because Judaism has, a, rabbinic Judaism has evolved as a halachic system, that's not the approach, right? Say your own words. There are other places where you're supposed to say your own words, like at the end of the Amida, Elohim Nassur, but this is not one of the places where you're supposed to say your own words because the Shema is seen as statutory. The Shema service came to be seen as statutory also. I'm not disagreeing with you, Larry. I'm just saying there are different frameworks for answering that question. In the halakhic framework, you should say these words. A person might choose to have a non-halakh. By the way, I don't want to call it non-halakh, and I'm going to call it quasi-halachic, I've said this before, right? You accept the framework that it's supposed to be about God and nature, but you reject the halachic framework of these are the words I have to say. 
And you might choose to say different words to articulate the theme of God in nature. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.